I'm going to turn the tables and at least ask you your three questions. Can we do that? <laughs> uh, sure. What are you wearing? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this. Uh, a Speedo, a Dickie, and one of those... One of those little hats that's got this fan spinning at the top. <laughs> I love a dicky joke. <laughs> I'm Faith Saley, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and you've landed in a good place. It's a place where our main goal is to remind you there is still good out there and lots of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. You know what would be so good? Can you still hear that I have a little bit of laryngitis? (laughs) If you took a moment right now, right where you are listening, and give us a rating and even better, a quick review. Your good ratings and reviews help us spread this here show around. It only takes a second. Seriously, press pause. Star us up, share a few words of what you like about this show, and for taking those seconds to do so this very moment, we say as always, thank you. Our third anniversary show is coming up fast. You are three weeks away. That's right. On October 4th, we launch our fourth season. See how good that worked out? To celebrate, we have been diving in over the last two weeks of shows to reconnect with some of our favorite previous good guests by sharing their unedited, uninterrupted recordings. Have you checked out our last two episodes? In episode number 141, we feature Wicked's Wendy Worthington, uh, her full conversation with me about theater and Broadway and all that good stuff. And in episode 142... We bring the holidays your way a little early yet again with my good pal, Crystal Carson, sharing her oh-so-magical, completely true childhood Christmas story where, well, I don't want to spoil it. You need to go listen. You need to go listen to this one, especially if you have ever doubted if Santa Claus is real or not. Today, we present my friend, my muse, my wife in an alternate reality and or dimension where we are multimillionaires who solve crimes in our spare time, Emmy winner in this dimension, Faith Saley. You watch her on CBS Sunday Morning. You hear her on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. You read her in her delicious real-life tome. That means book to you dum-dums. Approval junkie. And you've heard her here on World Gone Good in episode number one, number 15, number 61, number 100. She's like my favorite stalker ever. Or maybe I'm hers. We originally made this recording over two years ago. And we featured part of it on our one-year anniversary show. This is the full conversation from start to finish, and it is a little creepy as fuck because she turned the tables, which you'll hear, and she asked me a few questions that I answered, and what I said actually came to be. In fact, she even jokingly references, she says something like, in two years from now, dot, 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 and um, it's now two years from then. And one of the things I talk about, well, actually two of the things are actually happening and have happening, happening, happened. (laughs) Wow. Just wow. 
becomes one of my favorite humans to talk with about anything ever. This is Faith Saley with her good, full story. Well, it is one year later. And is I, it really? It's been a year, and and the, and you are my my third guest of the show. You're my third guest of the show because I've invited back the first three guests who I all launched on October seventh on the first day, and I just have a few minor questions. But the most important question I have for you first that goes back to the very first show we had is the lock still on the door of your bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I I think the real question is Talf. The Anti-Lock Foundation still protesting. I think that's really the question. Sure. And um, first of all, I want to say that I was incredibly honored to to be a part of the launch of this wonderful show, of this good show, wonderfully good show. And second of all, I thought you might ask me that. So today, while I was making a Coca-Cola cake, in fact, I asked my children, hey, whatever happened to Telf? <laughs> at first, my son said, what? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I said, uh, the Anti-Lock Foundation? He goes, oh. And then, Steve, I have to tell you, I'm incredibly proud of my son's moment of self-awareness. He said, <laughs> he said, uh, I was too lazy to keep protesting. <laughs> came over and I actually, she added this, which I didn't actually know. She said, I like the lock now, mommy, because when Augustus is chasing me around, I can run into your room, and lock the door. On him. <laughs> so, so yes, the lock is still on the door and it is apparently being used as a self-defense mechanism among my children. That is amazing. I thought you were going to say they outgrew it. They outgrew like, Telf. Yeah, like that. Like I thought he was going to say something like, "Oh, I was like, oh, that kid. was child's play." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm into much bigger things now, mom. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's just lazy. So it's it's there, um, and I'm here. That is amazing. I was. Um, I'll tell you a quick little story that'll probably make you laugh. On that note, I was my sister's wedding. I was 19. I had a girlfriend at the time. I was still not sure of my own who I was. And I had this wonderful girlfriend named Kathy. And my sister said, you cannot bring your girlfriend to the wedding. I don't want any girlfriend pictures in here because in 10 years, she won't be your girlfriend. And then she'll oh. be in all my wedding pictures. Yeah. My sister's awesome. So um, no, but I mean, like, whatever, looking back, I'm like, that's, yes, probably- I'm, that's so interesting. And <laughs> frankly, wise. Was that her way of saying, Steve, you're gay? I, it might've been. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I got paired up um, with um, Amy, who is now a grown woman, but she was five at the time. She was a, the flower girl. So I had to walk her down the aisle. It's whatever. But about uh, six, seven months later, more, I guess a year later, my sister got a house with her husband then. And and we had this big party and Kathy and I were together and, and we were in college and and. I walked over and Kathy is sitting there laughing with Amy's mom, Linda. And I go, what are you guys laughing about? And she goes, oh my God, Amy just walked over here and introduced herself to Kathy. And Kathy very sweetly said, oh, hey, I heard you were in the wedding with Steve. And 
Amy smiled and said, yeah, I was five then. I'm six now and walked away. And (laughs) Linda, I know my job, Linda, her mother was like so aghast (laughs) and proud of her. Like at the same moment, she's like, I don't know if I should go discipline her or pat her on the back because that was amazing. Uh, We didn't have this term back in 1990 amount of shade <laughs> that <Yes>. was thrown. <laughs> yes. And I also picture, cause my daughter does this for some inexplicable reason when she impersonates Nancy Pelosi, but I also picture like a, like a invisible cigarette that, that Amy <laughs> had. That. It's like, I was five, I was five then I'm six now. She just takes a drag. I love that your daughter impersonates Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> she started doing that when she was four and she swans about with her arm outstretched with a long, with, it's invisible, but you know, it's a long cigarette holder in it. Huh. And she takes a drag and she says, I'm Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> and by the way, she, my, my daughter has respect for Nancy Pelosi, but right. I do not know where this, where this vision of Nancy Pelosi as Betty Davis doing an impression of Nancy Pelosi came in. I was going to say Tallulah Bankhead, but it's pretty good there. So <laughs> the other night, Minerva, we were lying down. It was bedtime. And she goes, because she always has the most questions when it's supposed to be bedtime. And my kids share a room because Manhattan. And, uh, and she goes, she goes, mommy. Who's your favorite heroine? Um, Hermione, Nancy Pelosi. Um, oh wait, hey, hold on, I'm gonna have to pick this up because I have to remember the heroine choices. Um, uh, oh fuck, hang on. This is gonna be worth it, I promise. God, my memory is so bad. Hang on, I'm looking at my tweets. Okay. She goes, mommy, which is your favorite heroine? Hermione, Nancy Pelosi, Leia, or Ray? And, and I said, um, Hermione. And she mimed a cigarette and turned to me in the, in the dim light and said, not Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) 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 Oh, anyway. Um, how do we get off on this tangent? That's our that's our skill is tan is it's tangenting. a gift. That's a yeah, good it gift. Is. It is. We're gonna have a whole show called Good Tangents. Well, here's the main question and the main reason that I've asked all of my three guests to come back, and that is a very simple, broad question. You can tell me whatever the hell you want to tell me. I just would like to know, I'd like my listeners to know what has been good since we've last talked a year ago. I could tell you, I could put it in buckets and I could describe like macro good. And I could describe some kind of epiphanies I've had and, and, and be long winded. And I've decided instead to tell you one really specific good thing that happened that I think is so dramatic and wonderful. Um, And even in thinking about it today, before I knew I would talk to you, it, it moved me to tears again. So, um, so almost a year ago, the month that the show launched October of 2020, um, at the end of that month, it was October 24th, I believe. Um, my, we were seated outside, of course, COVID, um, at a place called Bread's Bakery on 
63rd and Broadway, uh, West 63rd, which, by the way, you should know is named Sesame Street. It was officially renamed Sesame Street. Because Fantastic. That's, yeah. Um, we were seated outside with my 104 and a half, then 104 and a half year old friend, Ruth Rosner. And Ruth is a salty, amazing friend. She says fuck a lot, which I love about her. She's fallibly spiritual. She's a secular Jew. She'd tell you she was raised like Marxist socialist. And she ran away from home when she was 20 to go join the communist party and in Europe and kissed Ernest Hemingway on the boat over and then came back. Cause it wasn't really great time to be a Jew there. Um, and she, I'm just giving you this for color. Um, sure. and, and she's super political. Like she, she's sharp as attack and she, knows more. I mean, she watches MSNBC. She loves Don Lemon. She knows more about politics than, than you or I. And her recall, if you were like, okay, name the Senator from Indiana, she'd know both of them. And, um, she got sober when she was a kid, as she says, which is when she was 73. And she, (laughs) she runs two AA groups on zoom and she calls her groups, all my children. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah. So she, ever since I met her and I met her when she was 102, 101, um, she, it, it was soon after Donald Trump became president and she has been talking to me about incipient fascism in our country ever since then. And, and as anytime you get into politics with her, she starts, she starts yelling, meet me at the barricades and singing <laughs> and singing, um, the, what's it called? Is it oh, oh, the Internationale? How do you say that? The, um, isn't that what it's called? Yes. The, yes. the communist, it's like the communist fight song, uh-huh, inter- yeah. the Internationale. And the, um, is it called the Marseillaise? The French. That's the French. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 She, she'll sing that too. So. <laughs> She's, so, a, she's a walking Casablanca. Go ahead. She, she is. And, and she needs a walker to walk. Right. So, so we're, so it was the day that it, it was one of the first days that early, early voting. <clears throat> it was one of the first days that early voting had started in New York city. And we're right at Lincoln center. We can see the fountains um, across the street and there's a line around the block for people to vote right across the street. And I, I said to her, you know, Ruth, do you want to vote? And she said, do, do I want to vote? Hell, hell yeah, I want to vote. I want to vote that asshole out of office. And I said, you know what? Come with me right now. She was like, well, I, 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 I look at that line. I don't want to stay in that line. And I don't know about this. And I said, Ruth, you're, you're 104 and a half years old. We're going right to the front of the line. So we get up. And some of the people, because Ruth always has like a a coterie of friends around her. A few of them come with us. My husband, John, is there. And his dog, Corby, his dog, who ended up dying um, Mm -hmm. a few months later. So when I I think about Corby being part of this experience, it makes me so happy. So John and his dog, Corby, and my two kids, and, um, and my daughter, who is then six, is holding Ruth's hand and Ruth is 104 and a half. So she's holding her hand of her friend who's 98 years older. 
and my son is leading the way. Ruth gets up and walks faster across Broadway in her walker than I've ever seen her walk. She's got this hat that my daughter Minerva had decorated. It was like festooned with, with flowers. And as we're walking over, I have this idea. I'm, I'm no cinematographer, but I, I'm, no, I'm no filmmaker, but I thought I have to chronicle this. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get people to move aside, help her cross quietly. I'm trying to help her cross safely. I'm trying to hold my camera horizontally as one does. And I'm interviewing Ruth. Now I'm telling you all this, Steve, because this blew up and became a viral sensation and you can find it all. Like now this did a whole video about Ruth. And so you can cut to all these moments like, or, and I can send it to you from my phone. So so I'm interviewing Ruth as we cross the street and I say, you know, it, is this the most, I didn't even ask a leading question. I said, how do you feel about voting today? And she said, this is the most important vote of my lifetime. Like not World War I, not World War II, not during the Cold War, none of it. This is it. This is what it comes down to. And she crossed the street and we just said to all the people in front of Lincoln Center, I said, I said, 104 and a half year old coming through and people just, you know, they moved out of the way and like, woo, woo, you go. So we go, we go to the front. We tell them this is Ruth. She's 104. Nobody, nobody asked to see her, her ID at that point. We, we, we go in and um, the, the volunteer poll workers are incredibly moved and she, Ruth has to get out her license and it says 1916. And, you know, she was born four years before women had the right to vote. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I just, gosh, I'm getting emotional now. Like, I just think this is, and I see my daughter, my daughter holding her hand and, and I just think this, this is history. This is history. Or as my son would say, this is her story. <laughs> and, and, and we go in and I bring Ruth and, and I can tell Ruth's a little verklempt. Like this, she's getting a lot. This is a lot for her. This is big hustle. And she's getting a lot of attention, which she doesn't mind. Cause she'll tell you she's an Aries, but, um, but um, this is a lot for her. And so I, I bring her over to the, the little booth and, um, and I look away, I very visibly look away. So everybody knows I'm not directing her vote. Um, and we walk out. And as soon as we walk out into the sunlight, hundreds of people start clapping and Ruth stops and she puts her head in her hands and she just sobs. And she is, she's so overcome with emotion about, about what she has just done and about the, um, about the community celebration of it. And there was this beautiful poll worker named Antonia who wanted to have a picture with her. And mind you, if you see these pictures, because they were all over social media, everybody's, everybody's masked. Like it's a real sign of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she had to sit. My, my husband said, Ruth, you got to sit down. Her walker turns into a little seat. And she sat there and I took a picture of her. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of her being overcome by emotion. And then my daughter Minerva holds her hand as we walk back and when we, when we get back to Sesame street and this, in this bakery breads and she sits down I say, how do you feel now? And she said, I, I think this is why I've lived so long so that I could, so that I could cast this vote. And, and, and she said, I feel like I can die happy. So you can end the story there. It was an, it was just an amazing experience to, to witness and be a part of. And and I will tell you, this was her, I think this was her 23rd elect presidential election. She cast her first vote for FDR. 
and wow. has never, yeah, has never missed an election since. But it's it's the unrolling of this good thing that continues to move me, which is I then did a Twitter thread and I put in all the little the little episodes of of the outing. And and it took off and it went viral. And George Takai retweeted it and Hillary Clinton retweeted it. And it was hashtag Ruth to the booth. And it was being sent all over the world. And you can't you can't see a video of Ruth without falling in love with her, especially because in the video she says, she says, I want to vote that obscene, grotesque, radioactive turd out of office. <laughs> it's just so evocative and poetic. And I and I also want to add that you know sh- this is a lady who's living through her second fucking pandemic. Her yeah. sh- she was two years old in 1918, yeah. and her father died of of the Spanish flu. Yeah, and and there was a lot of existential soul searching for Ruth during the pandemic, like because there, she had to spend a lot of time alone, which is hard to be isolated when when you're that old. And she, and she was re- she really felt like she knew why she was still alive, so it goes viral. And then I and then I get to do a CBS Sunday Morning story on her. It it was it was all of maybe three minutes and forty seconds long. But I I had always ever since meeting Ruth, I had wanted to share her with the world, share share her story. And finally, there was like the right filter where it wasn't just a story of like, hey, here's my sweet, salty, 104-year-old friend, right? This was, this was a meaningful story about something she had done. Right. And I will also say that one of the things I have always loved about Ruth is she's so, there's a part of her that's so vulnerable and insecure. And I, I know that like she desperately wants approval. And then she makes fun of herself for it. I mean, look, she's an addict, you know, she, she wants instant gratification. Right. And, and I remember when I first met her, I thought, wow, this is my new 101 year old friend. And I want to sit at the feet of a wise old woman who is thoroughly enlightened, who will share with me the secrets of life. And I very soon learned that that's not how it works. And, 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 and instead of finding discomfort in that, I kind of found comfort. Does that make any sense? No, that makes total sense. I mean, it makes total sense because I think that I think we have this idea that when we're young, that the elders they've got it all figured out. Yeah. Um, our parents have it all figured out. The grandparents have it all figured out, and then we don't understand as kids. Like, why is that guy so mean? <laughs> why is that guy yelling? Why is that person crying? We don't understand. They should have it all figured out. They, they, they've they've reached that level, right? But we're all still human and we we're all still, all want, still yeah. want the same thing. We're all still. Yes, we do. And and it, it feels good when strangers cheer us and it feels connected to be part of something bigger. And 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 I don't know, there's just something liberating about knowing Ruth and knowing that we're all still figuring it out and the strength with with, with which she holds my hand sometimes. It's like she's. She's clinging to connection. And so I tell you all that about Ruth's. She's so both strong and vulnerable at the same time. And I tell you all that to tell you that she later told me 
you know, privately without me videotaping it, she thanked me because she said, I think I don't deserve the thanks, but she thanked me for, for giving her the opportunity to vote and then, and then amplifying her story because she said, I don't know why I've been allowed to live this long. I, I should have, should have drunk, should have drank, should have drunk myself right. to death many times before now, she, you know, I, I, she, she doesn't feel good about the way she was a mother. Um, and sometimes she feels uncomfortable with the way that people love her. Sometimes she'll say, why does everybody love me so much? Right. And, and she said, I, I feel like at this point in my life, 104 and a half years in, I know I had a purpose. Like she was awestruck that she inspired people all over the world. And it, it, it was, it, it was an astonishing Thing to witness. I am far too humble. And she is far too generous to say that I gave her that. Um, she kept thanking me for it. And that's not what I wanted. It was just, it was a gift for me to witness the feeling of purposefulness that, th that took this woman over a hundred years to feel. And it gave you an opportunity to share some good just for the sake of sharing good percent it uh, that's it, you yes it was just it was all good every part of it was good it was community it was young and old it was history it was making a difference it was so so good and and i gotta tell you steve her, she has the whole time I, i've known her since she was 101 to 104 which is doesn't sound that long, but is when you're that old, she's just, she's, she's been so spry. And in the past, like in the past, I'd say six months, she's deteriorated really, really fast. Yeah. And she doesn't even use a walker anymore. Like uh, pretty much against her will. I was like, Ruth, I'm buying you a wheelchair. Okay. Just so you will come out. And, 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 and so I'm just so I'm, I don't want to call it a swan song, but let's be realistic. You know, she's, she's at the end of her life, just that she, she had that and she got to be the international focus of the world and inspire people. People who saw that were like, if that fucking lady Ruth yes. can go out and vote, my ass can go out and vote. Yes. So, um, and, and the fact now I'm just, uh, I didn't, I didn't give you a great button there, but I, there's so many things to unwrap the, the fact, the selfish fact that I got to see my children be a part of that. Yes. Oh, so that, and that's, that's a lifetime that will stay with them and that will, that will stay with them forever. And it's those, it's those much like, you know, when, for many of us, it's, you know, the teachers that we had that always make us smile and we think back to and, you know, in the yeah. smallest of ways who noticed us that day. And, and, and I had those moments, you know, and I in turn have had my performance moments where in a small, you know, you've been on stage yourself when you connect with an audience and that wave starts and we're all oh. in it together. It is the most glorious sensation. And when people leave and they, the most the, the greatest compliment that someone can give you when you step off a stage is like they can't even tell you their favorite part because they just mm. enjoyed all of it 
yeah. it was just that common experience. So you had that. That that's the, been the goal of this podcast. This goal of this podcast has been to spread some good, to remind people there is good, mm-hmm. and to share the commonalities. I can't tell you how many times friends of mine text me or my best friend Lisa will call me and go, oh my God, let me tell you the moment in your show that I felt like you had a camera on me, like because mm. that person said this thing. It's that connectivity. And that's that thing that we still need. And that's an amazing thing about a podcast, period, is that there's this connection that we're experiencing right now. It's more than reading an article or listening to music. It's 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 like... We're having a friendship. I know you, you know me, but I don't know you. I've never met you. I live in South Africa. I live wherever the hell I live. Yeah, but there's this there's this implicit invitation, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that- I just keep giving getting the image of like when I when I've listened to to World Gone Good over this past year, I felt like I was bobbing along. Like I'm bobbing along on a a, a sea of happiness, right? Like you you can you can you're just invited to to just jump in and bob along with with people's stories and you're right it's those moments that's what's so amazing about storytelling right and about people speak, telling their truth is that it's so specific and then and the specificity and the vulnerability and the honesty are what make it resonate and make it universal it's such a it's such an it's like a magical paradox it is and i thank you because you are my uh, you're my most visited guest to this podcast. You've been here three times. This is your I'm, third time. Wait, it's my third time? Mm-hmm, because you, you were part of my Christmas show. Oh, my gosh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. See? Thank me. I thank you. Oh, thanks. See how soon we forget. Sorry. You know what? I've been making so many appearances on World Gone Bad that I just <laughs> forgot. forgot. Oh I, it's actually called World Gone to Shit. It's not yes. it's not as fun as yours. No, there's no masks on that show. And you have to own a gun. There's, there's a lot of things you need with that show. But his that, that guy's numbers are really huge. So good for him. Good for him. Oh, don't tell him I'm vaccinated. They won't ask me back. Well, he doesn't listen to this show. No, he, no, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, um, so... Yeah, I hit on the the little fact about Corby too. Like yeah. when I see when I see Corby in the video, it makes me it makes me happy, happy and sad. Yeah, That's sweet. Um, so so there you go. You have that story. Um, That's so uh, has anybody? Have you gotten to tell your good stuff? Um, I mean, here and there, you sneak it in around the edges, right? Well, because you try to make, you know, you do this. You try to make the guests the, um, you do it in a different way, the focus, but you still want to ask the questions and get the, you know, the stories. It's a, it's a little different with podcasting because you want to have the connectivity that going on. And when you have a really good guest and you can both laugh about something and, you know, like we're doing and jump on each other and just be like, oh my, no, but I can jump in here and. So yeah, kind of yeah, I guess. I, I don't think know. I, I think I speak for for most of your listeners, which is that it you you're a wonderful interviewer and you're wonderful at el- eliciting stories and and allowing people to uh, to blossom. But I, I think everybody wants more of you. I think I think we all we all need yeah we all need more of you. So I'm just I'm gonna turn the tables and at least ask you your three questions. Can we do that? <laughs> Uh, sure. What are you wearing? 
<laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. I knew you were ask this. Uh, a Speedo, a Dickie, and one of those one of those little hats that's got this fan spinning at the top. I love a Dickie joke. Because, because it just means that you're in our age group. Like, I know, and I don't think like, people call it a mock turtleneck. It's not a mock turtleneck. It's a Dickie. It's a Dickie. And you know, when you said Speedo and then Dickie, it made me think of like... So you put you put my mind in the in the bathing universe, and it made me think of uh, like a you know those rash guards that people wear for oh, self yeah. protection. It made me think of like a dick like a rash guard dicky. So that you get like the with speedo and a dicky, you get like the weirdest tan. It's amazing. <laughs> Wait, so for people who don't know, a dicky isn't just a mock turtleneck. Like a mock turtleneck, that's just a little half-assed, you know, turtleneck like on the t- a, a dicky was like and maybe they still make them was like half a half a top of a shirt that you right. tuck into your other stuff right i don't I, I don't know i guess in the ages of zoom there could be a, a use for a dicky but world um, gone dicky <laughs> okay so um uh you know you you ask people where they can find you um uh, and I mean, we know we can find you right here on the podcast, right? But yeah, here, here I am. <laughs> where, where, where do you want? If I asked you that in two years, where, where do you want your? What do you want your answer to be? Uh, the governor's office of California. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> where can people find me? Well, um, co- come join us. You know, anytime in social media, you can find me. I am. Uh, at such a good Steve and at World Gone Good podcast on Instagram, which we've promoted before. I'm world at World Gone Good the number one, so just World Gone Good one on Twitter, okay. and then of course I'm on Facebook. You can find me. There's lots of Steve Silverman's, but I'm the one in the dicky. That's well, how you know how to find me. I mean, come wait, on. Was there a World Gone Good with, with, without a one? So care. there is one, but there's nothing on the page. It's one of those. What the fuck? I know those good squatters. Or it could be me. It could be one of those situations where I did it and forgot I did it and didn't remember the password. I'll just put a one at the end. (laughs) But no, I guess my question was like, what do you, where do you want us to find you in? What's, what's the next thing? Or what's, what's it? Do you want to be doing this in two years? There's a, there's a lot of people to talk to about the good stuff. Of course. Would you want this to be a, a YouTube show? What would you want? To, is there another podcast that you've been incubating? I uh, always say that I do things as long as they stay fun. As soon as they stop being fun, I stop doing them. And um, perfect examples how you and I'm I met. So glad you don't have children. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're like, your, your two would already be out. You're not fun anymore. I need you to go. Um, uh well, you you and I met fifteen minutes of them, and we did yeah. uh, six of those and one ma- uh, male version, guy version, and then we were prepping the seventh one. And Danny and I met, and we were going through all the books and everything we had to do. And we were at breakfast at Hugo's in West Hollywood, and I looked at him and I said, "Do you want to do this?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" I go, "Do you want to do this again?" And he's like, "Well, why wouldn't we do it?" I go, "Because it's not fun anymore. It had been five years of doing it, almost five years." And I said, "It's just not fun anymore." And he said, should we stop? And I said, I think once something's not fun, we stop. So my answer to that is, as long as this keeps being fun for me, I'm going to keep doing it. And really, me personally, for fuck's sake, I hope I can finish my two novels that I've been working on forever. 
Um, it's amazing. And because you have to write the forward to one of them. Come on, at least one of them. Please. Um, <laughs> so I hope in two years I, I can say that, you know, whether I have a publishing deal or I'm self-published, that I can say I did it. I finished you know, I finished the one, I can tell everybody, I finished the one first draft of the one and put it to the side because I finished it right before my father passed away. It's very difficult for me to open that book. Mm-hmm. I can't explain why. It has nothing to do with my dad. It's just a weird thing. But the new one I've been working on, I really believe it's something. And um, yeah, that's. I, I just want to keep writing. I want to keep creating. That's what I like to do. Why do you think that you have such clarity? I don't know a lot of people. And I'm not one of those people who's like, who just calls bullshit. Who's like, do you really want to do this? Like you, you have, it's cause you're not a quitter. Not at all. No, but, no. But when like, but I quit, but I will I, tell you, I'll tell anyone mm. listening this. I am the king of quitting. There was a joke years ago of my producer friends, cause I'm a producer for a living that no one could quit a job. Like Steve can quit a job. I mean, I have walked, I have walked out of jobs. I walked well, out. What of- does that mean? Do you have style? Like, do you have a do you have an invisible cigarette? Like, do you have a way of quitting? <laughs> I'm Nancy Pelosi, and I exit. No, <laughs> I just I, I there are times when I'm like, no, this is not working. Again, this is not fun. Um, I quit my dream job. My dream job. I will say it right here. I don't. I have no shame in this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. My dream dream job was to be working for NBC in on air promotions in the marketing department, and I got there. And the first two weeks were amazing. And the next almost two years were a horror show to the point that I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I resigned. Everyone told me crazy. My, my dad was like, you don't even have another job. You, you got to get another job. You got to get another job. Well, I resigned. I gave him two weeks notice on a Monday. They walked down and they told me you can leave now. They got a security guard to walk me out, which made me laugh. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going <laughs> to steal like Jay Leno or something. Jay, get in the car. <laughs> but I walked down with the security guard. He says, meet me at the gate. I go, don't be stupid. Get in the car. So he got in the car with me, drove her to the gate. He gets out. I run my badge to open the gate, hand it to him. He fist bumps me. I am mm. pull out of the gate. I am not out of the driveway. The gate has not closed behind me. I look down. My phone is ringing. It says ABC Scott. It's my friend from Scott at ABC Daytime. And I answer the phone. And he goes, hey. I go, hey. I go, he goes, who do you know who could do all my children for me this summer? Uh, uh, I need somebody right away. And I said, I'll do it. And he goes, no, 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 you have a job. I go, not as of 10 minutes ago. Now, I was supposed to make a right turn to go home. He goes, get over here. I make a left turn. I meet him for lunch and I had a job. And so for any person. I wish you could see my mouth. My jaw has dropped and my eyes, my face is all squinched up as I pay attention to the details. This is astonishing. Go ahead. This is a true story. Any person out there listening, and I've told this story on here before. Who's sitting there going, oh, well, you're just, oh, he's just lucky or, oh, things just work out for him. No, the truth of the matter is when you expect change, you have to make change. It doesn't always work out the way I did, but my God, was that amazing to call my dad that afternoon and say, so funny story. (laughs) (laughs) Good good news first or bad news? Yeah. So I quit. And you remember you told me to get a job? He couldn't believe it. But then he said, my mother said, my mother kept screaming in the background, I believe it. I know you. I believe it. And I truly, that's the thing is that I really have always been the person who, as you and I have always discussed, uh, smile with a lot of people. I think a lot of things. I let you say what you need to say because that's your thing. And then I go do my thing and we're all going to be okay. 
there's, you know, that, but that's been a theme throughout yeah. the whole first season. Oh, wait, how many seasons have there been? Just one. Okay. It's, it's, the, this whole year has been one season. Okay. Yes. So, but that's, that's been a theme throughout the whole first season of World Gone Good. I, it has been often people's stories of betting on themselves. Yes. Of, 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 um, there's that Anais Nin quotation. You uh-huh. know, she was a fabulous French lesbian. Um, and it's, it's beautiful and I'm probably going to ruin it, but it's something about like, uh, it's, it's something about the rose will blossom when the pain of staying a bud becomes, becomes too much. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm saying it horribly, but, but it's, it's when your pain point, you have to get to the point point often where you're like this situation that I'm hunkering down in is so shitty and causing me so much pain that it's worth taking the risk of liberating myself from it. Yes. And like that, that's the story of my first marriage. And sometimes it's people's relationships. Sometimes it's people's jobs, but it's not always as clear as, Oh my gosh, I found my bliss. Oh my gosh. Like, like the wonderful, your wonderful friend who does the vegan baking. Uh Uh-huh. Sean. Yes. I love that episode. And you know, she was talking about like, she loved doing it and she was good at it. Sometimes it's harder, harder than that. Right. Right. Sometimes it's not just, oh my gosh, I just love this thing and I'm going to do it. Sometimes it's very, very scary and you're doubling down on yourself. Yes. And I will tell anyone listening that um, doing all my children promos was not my dream job. It was actually a nightmare. Um, (laughs) No offense to anyone who liked all my children, just not a fun job to do. And two months later led me to the job that I have to this day. But I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not at least taken a chance. And you hit it on the head so well. I talked to so many of my friends about this who stay in relationships too long. And the reasons they stay in the relationship is fear. Fear of the unknown. Well, who mm-hmm. am I going to be without that person? Well, mm-hmm. who am I going to be um, if I have to start over? I'm too yeah, old. Because I'm the too pain, this. The pain, you think the pain you know is, is preferable to the pain you don't know. Exactly. Because you're assuming there will be pain in the unknown. Instead of assuming, oh, there's a, at least an equal chance it's going to be a shit ton better. It's going to be a shit ton better. How many times have you broken up with somebody and within a month you're like, at the gym and you look better and you're smiling oh, and, you're and you're singing Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone all the time. I was going to go with stronger, but yes. Oh, this- fine. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the same mental dance club. Sure. sure. Um, okay. Who Steve inspires mm-hmm. you? Um, that is for anybody to answer always sometimes very easy, sometimes very difficult. Uh, for me, I can say that every single guest that I've had on this year has inspired me. Mm-hmm. But there's one person that I think of who inspires me is my friend Kavi, um, who married my friend Matt. And they have two kids. And one of their children has an autoimmune uh, disease. And I don't want to say the wrong one because I'm going to get it wrong. But I have watched her uh, with such grace live a nightmare with the child being sick and a child who keeps going and has another birthday and shocks everybody. And watching how she handled the pandemic, watching how when Matt and his daughter had COVID-style flu, 
she had to get her son out of there immediately and find another place in Brooklyn to live immediately. That was just them because he couldn't, I mean, it was insane. And then all of her, you know, they didn't know, did they have it? Did they not have it? 10 days of, you know, locking down and her also holding a job and wanting to have a life and be a happy mom and be a happy wife. And I'm just, I'm always so impressed with her and I've invited her to be on the show and she said yes. And then she said no. And I told her, no, you do it when you're comfortable because as we've talked about, she's not, you know, quite sure what she wants to share just yet and also just how she feels. But she is one of the most magical people that I know. And just any time that I feel like, God damn it. Why are gas prices so high? God damn it. Why is there a line at this store? Oh, I think of her and I go, you have the basics. You have a home. You have running water. You have a place to sleep. You have food to eat. You have people who love you. And you're infinitely blessed. Infinitely blessed. Just the fact that you have running water puts you ahead of billions of people. And you don't even think about it. You no. think about it when the water goes off. That's right. And the people in Flint, Michigan certainly are thinking about it and have been for way too long. But it's it's people specifically like my friend Kavi, who when the world deals them so many difficult cards, still sends me hilarious videos and pictures of the kids. Like they're just regular mm-hmm. kids and they're just a regular family. And, you know, she's exactly the type of person that we would all say, like, she's a fucking hero. And those people are like, I'm not a hero. No. I'm not a hero. No, you can't come. I'm just do like, you would do the same, they say. Or I'm just, I'm just, you know, I love my kids. And no, she's a, she's a hero. Yes. She's and a it, hero. And I love, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just, I agree. And every one of us is dealing with something. You know, and it's so important to remember the extreme of like what you're dealing with, what I'm dealing with. I, I'm the guy who, I mean, I was I was 29 years old and I had a, I got sick and they didn't know what was wrong with me. I was, I was, they thought it was my equilibrium. They thought it was all sorts of things. I, I kept literally passing out. I kept like having to lay down on the floor because the whole room would start spinning. And um, we couldn't figure out what it was. And because of the stress of all 29 I got alopecia areitis and all my hair fell out. I'm oh. talking everywhere, everyone. My eyebrows, my eyelashes. Oh my gosh. You don't realize the what the your eyebrows do. Your eyebrows protect the, you from being blinded by the sun. Your eyelashes mm. protect all that dust and stuff that's outside. And um, mm. I I looked like powder from the movie Powder. Yeah. <laughs> but I was also 29 years old and not ready to handle any of this, but sort of it all happened overnight. Well, we found out what was wrong with me. It was a, a, a lizard, a lizard, listen to me. <laughs> it was a lizard. No, it was a liver disorder, which is um, a Billy Rubin thing. And it was, it's, it's Ashkenazi Jewish, you know, heritage, blah, 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 genealogy. And my hair started coming back. Of course, thank God I had to go to a specialist and, and it came back everywhere, except it came back fully receded. So about a year later, I had hair, but it was like way back on my head. And so then I just kept shaving. 30 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kept shaving my head. And and people tease me all the time, you know, hey, cue ball, hey, baldy. And like like I did something wrong. 
you know, mm-hmm. and it was it was very hard to see pictures of myself. And now at 51, I fucking rock this shit because I've been dealing with it for so long. But it was it was a really it was hard enough being not feeling well, but then not physically looking well. And I remember that time of being handed that, but still just had to go to work, had to have a life, had to do all those things. And there's people who get alopecia. There was a woman on the first night of 15 Minutes of Femme ever who did an entire show where she took off the wig, took off the eyebrows, took off everything because she had permanent alopecia. Yeah, she was stunning. She did this monologue about it and sat at a at a like a makeup table and faced the audience and took it all off and everybody gave her a standing ovation. She was amazing. Yeah. And I think of her and I thought to myself, holy shit, like mine came back and yours didn't. It's like, it's perseverance. It's, it's, um, that's what inspires me is perseverance. And grace. You use the word grace. And grace. Such a, that's such a elusive. Yeah. I I, I want to live my life with grace. I so rarely do, but that's right. that. Um, uh, thank you for sharing that. Kavi sounds amazing, and and just telling us about her story and and your story is um, it just gives perspective. Yeah, you never know what anybody is going through, so uh, be good, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah, that covers it. Um, yep. So if you know what's coming. Tell us something good. Something good. I was honestly not prepared for that question. I ask that question all the time. Um, something good right now is for me living right in the moment of where I am and being good with it. I, this, the, the flip switched when COVID happened. It wasn't even like we, you know, walked into a pool that, you know, had a nice slow, (laughs) um, uh, what word am I looking for? Dip (laughs) to get into it. Just slowly. Yes. Great issue to get in. It's just, we were all thrown into the pool and it's 85 feet deep and felt like we're drowning. And, and in the last, year I've just really been happy in the moments that I get to spend right in the present. And I, I really work toward that. And and that's what I think is so good is time is such an amazing thing. It's like everything we've already recorded, it's already been recorded. It's already happened. That's the past. Mm-hmm. And the future that we're all striving for hasn't happened yet. But even what I just said, that's over. That moment is gone. Your brain will explode. It's kind of like when you start thinking about, am I breathing? Sorry, everybody who's <laughs> who's now going to go, oh, God, am I breathing? Um, but it's that's the good to me. It's, it's being present. It's being mindful. And it's just being okay where you are. And I'm not the best person all the time. And I have an ugly side. Just ask my husband. And <laughs> – or my dogs. And – I don't always say the right thing and I make wrong moves and I've made wrong moves like all of us that I'm still obsessing over that happened when I was 11 years old. Right. Um, But it's just for me as the good is just that motorcycle just went by and I'm going to keep it in and I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And that that's good, good too. Right? That's good too. It just it's real. And that's to me what's good. And that's that's been the real joy of doing this podcast in the last year and and connecting with everybody and I'm I'm so thankful for everyone who said yes. And you know what? I'm thankful to the people who said no. Because hmm. a lot really? of people, people said no. Oh, quite a few. Really? Some friends and some strangers. And the strangers. Give reasons why? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I've asked some famous friends. I've asked some famous strangers. I completely understand when they say no. Um, but I respect that. And, you do? And- why do you think people say no? I don't know. Maybe, you know, in the beginning when I first started doing this, I recorded 16 or 18 interviews all at once. It was fantastic. I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a producer, so I prepped like 12 shows and put them up on this, you know, calendar system that they, you know, that I work off of through Simplecast and like scheduled everybody. And I was like, holy shit, I got like three months worth of material. I don't have to do anything. But I think at first people didn't know what this was about. And amazingly, over the last year, people started coming to me. Mary Welch Fox Stasic from HGTV, they came to me. That's not a real name. It is. Listen to the show. She's amazing. Wait, wait. say all those names again? They all belong (laughs) to one person? Mary Welch is like Mary Lou, Mary Alice, Mary Beth. So Mary Welch Fox was her maiden uh-huh. name. She oh, added stop. in stop stop with the maiden name. That's not a real thing. There's she a ad- birth name. We are not living in <laughs> we are not living in the Middle Ages. Go ahead. She so, re- so she, she recorded- decided to keep her real name and then she added on her husband's. Yes, and she recorded from the master suite in her home. <laughs> The mas- the masters. I think we're supposed to call that the primary bedroom. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep coming as many archaic statements as I can make. Wait, hold on. Did Mary Welch, real name, husband's name, patriarchy name? Um, did she also ask her husband to babysit while she <laughs> she recorded? Um, I well, so I think that she actually recorded. No, no, Everyone go. Tr- Please go, go listen to the show. It's fan. It's a really fun show. I'm sure she's wonderful and hates me now. <laughs> no, no, no. You two would get along great. You guys would get along great. You're both in the same business, and you would find her hilarious. She's she's a she's a hilarious. And but my point being is that I I've had people reach out to me, which is so great. I had a, a publicist friend of mine say call me and say, "Hey, I'm representing these uh, this this company called Life Elements." They're a CBD company. Would you want to do? Would you want to have them on your show? And I have on my list of wants is I wanted to do a CBD show, like the good yeah. of CBD. So I was like, oh my god, the universe hears you. The universe listens. So yeah, some people said no, and that's I'm not going to name all of them. All right, I'll start with the list. The first person said no. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with it because that to me is such an important lesson in life. It is okay to say no. Uh, it is okay. Yeah, you yes. have to and- say no. And in the interest of of supporting your, t- tell me something good, which is talking about being comfortable and embracing the present. My, I have a friend named Heather who created a hashtag years ago, which is thank you for not wasting my time. So <laughs> when people say no to you, when you are rejected, when people ghost you, whatever it is, thank you for not wasting my time, right? Isn't it the most amazing thing? I've said this on the podcast before. Um, when someone in New York says yes, they mean yes, they're going to be on there on time. You better have food ready and we're going. When they say no, it's fuck no and don't ever ask me again. In LA, when they say yes, it's no. When they say let me think about it, it's no. And no one in LA ever says no because <laughs> that's just how it is. You know from working in the industry and I know from working in the industry is you go in and you pitch something 
They don't say no. They go, thank you so much for coming in. We're going to consider this. Thank you so much. I'm going to bring it to my team. Right. We're going to bring it to the team. Let, let's <laughs> let the team bandy it around. And if you're lucky, you know, I know and you know, you go in, you're going to pitch one thing, five things, whatever. These people take pitches all day long. This is what they do for a living. Their job is to say no. Their job is to find that diamond. But the great thing is when somebody says yes, you just go, oh my God, wow, when? What? Let's, let's. You know, let's do this thing. Let's yeah. do this thing. So, I mean, the, um, cra- the, the craziest one for me, I'll tell you really quickly, was uh, Aaron Murphy from Murph's Life. I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, I can do it right now. And I meant like in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. And five minutes later, we were recording. Oh, and that's so good. I- yes. So good. Well, um, I think the only way to wrap this up is to say thank you for not wasting my time. <laughs> Because talking to you is so fill it's soul filling. It's so soul filling. And everybody who listens to this podcast knows that. You leave fuller. You leave fuller. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's 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 very important to me. And and again, thank you to you for my pleasure. Saying yes to me over and over and over, except for will you marry me? You said no. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. You asked me and I said no. That's what happened. <laughs> because your sister told me that if we had wedding pictures, we would not. <laughs> we, would, we would look back at them in a few years and have cut each other. Regret. Out. Such regret. <laughs> oh, that was good. Thanks again, Faith, for sharing your full good story next time on World Gone Good. I really wish that more people found a pastime that they enjoyed because you'll always have a path out of darkness if you do that. There were certain friends that wanted to hear my stories and they, when I would speak to them on the phone, they'd say, would you have another story? And certain friends would say, you know, I think you've got something here. I think I think this is, you need to do this. You need to put this up somewhere. Who's up for celebrating our third anniversary? That's right, my good friends. On Wednesday, October 4th, we are getting our party on as we launch season four of World Gone Good. My best pal Lisa returns to join me. As we look back at some of our favorite good moments and preview some of our upcoming ones, you just heard two of those good upcoming guests, Julie McGuire and Rebecca O'Brien, and we've got more, oh, so much more good to share, including a few more cutting room floor moments and um, also perhaps even a very special surprise guest that I'm working on. I'm working on, I'm working on it, ooh la la. Well, we will be back with our all new season four starting Wednesday, October 4th. Until then, be good.